welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert, and I am coming to you today from Bergamo, Italy, along with my totally incredible and very busy co-host, Dr. Millicent Ravello. How are you, Dr. Ravello? I'm okay. I would be better if I was in Bergamo as well, as was the original plan in, oh, April 2020. <laughs> oh, that's right. You were supposed to be at this meeting. I was supposed to be there. And then, you know, April 2020 came along. So that meeting was canceled. And then it didn't come back again until this year. And, you know, plans had changed at that point. But I was very much supposed to be in Bergamo. And I'm just just a little bit upset that you were there and I am not. Just a little. Okay. Why are you in Bergamo? I am here for the seventh Bergamo Open Rhinoplasty uh, Congress, which is a meeting started by my good friend Enrico Robati, who is a professor of plastic surgery. Uh, he's in private practice now, but he was the chief, the head honcho at the university hospital in Bergamo and has now gone private. And he and I worked together. He came to Aesthetica Clinic with me in Dubai. And I consider him a very good professional friend in the world of rhinoplasty, but I know his family, his wife, his daughter, he's, he's a great guy. And in fact, my son has accompanied me here to Bergamo, uh, Ace, who we've been talking about through all these years, because uh, he is a, just, a, just a badass leukemia survivor. And uh, so he's with me and he's meeting everybody. But this meeting is really, it's a great meeting. First of all, the Rhinoplasty Society of Europe met yesterday. And so that was a one day of rhinoplasty meetings, but I I wasn't part of the faculty and I'm not a member of that society. So we arrived and we went to dinner with everybody and Ace met, you know, all my buddies in the rhinoplasty world. And then today started the seventh Bergamo rhinoplasty, uh, open rhinoplasty meeting. And, you know, things were going along just fine until we got to the, you know, what to preserve, uh, when to preserve, and how to preserve it uh, panel, which I was a reviewer on. It was me, Joachim Wurm uh, from Germany, and Charles East. Now, Johan and, and I are not big preservation people. And Wurm actually kind of, he asked me, like, I need to ask some questions. Like, he was like, while the, while the presentations were going on, he kind of said, you need to let me ask my questions. I was like, okay. You know, pretty much anybody will will say that in a revision situation, you really can't do a push down or let down preservation rhinoplasty. And for Tracy in Wisconsin, preservation rhinoplasty is the concept that the nose is just fine and it only needs small modifications. The Even though there's a hump at the bridge, you can push it down and you work on the structures deep in the face rather than working on the external structures. You push the nose into the face to get rid of the hump. That's the basic concept, you know, for the, for, for the, you know, the average listener out there who isn't a surgeon, what we do. As opposed to taking it apart, putting cartilage grafts in, rebuilding it, restructuring it, reshaping it. Right. And that's what you and I have been trained to do. And that's what we, we like doing and we get good results that way. So, Which, which by the way, these guys do too. And, you know, it's interesting because they all kind of go up there and like, 
there was a talk by one guy I know from San Francisco who's not Sam Most, even though Sam was there tonight. <laughs> but another guy who d- used to say, I only do preservation, who's now like, well, I don't really do that anymore. I'm down to like 10, 20% of these noses I do preservation style and the rest are structural. And then Sam, you know, who's at Stanford, he, he said, well, I used to do a lot, but now I'm down to like 40, 50% that I'm doing preservation. And so mm-hmm. the thing is, is that preservation rhinoplasty is a technique. It is not a panacea. It is not an answer to how to fix noses, but it is a technique. It is a set of techniques and a concept that you don't disrupt structures that don't need to be disrupted. And so if the bridge and the hump and everything are okay, then you want to actually leave them alone, cut the bones around the hump and push the hump into the face. And you might do some septal work to get the hump to relax. And there are all these very you know, esoteric techniques, which were literally resurrected from before the Civil War, from 1857, which is when these techniques were published. And now they've, they were abandoned for many, many years, and now they've been resurrected recently. And they work. They're, they're not terrible. But so, so I was on the podium. I was chairing the session. And, you know, Johan was, you know, battling it out and saying his piece, which I thought was great. And he said, you know, but I can't fix noses that I see with this, blah, 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 blah. And so in the end, I basically, you know, just said, look, I think these guys on the podium, you know, up here today on this panel are master analysts and they're master planners. And they have the technical skills of over 5,000 rhinoplasties under their belt to execute their plan and get great results with these techniques. But I said, every one of these preservation cases that you guys have put up here today in my book are not the best result that was possible for these patients. They could have been better. So it's not that you did a bad job. It's just that you didn't max out what was possible for the result in my world. In your world, it's probably fine. It's probably okay. I said, but in my world, these are unacceptable results. And I wouldn't have my job in Beverly Hills. I said, my Beverly Hills patients come to me because they want a home run. They don't want to have to explain a residual hump. They don't want to explain inadequate osteotomy. They don't want to explain that the nose doesn't look awesome, that it's pretty good. I said, that doesn't work where I'm from. I said, so depending on your patient population, maybe this is totally great. I go, but for me, I need more out of my rhinoplasties. I can't sign my patients up to get a B minus. I have to sign them up for an A. And for me to get A's, for me, maybe not for you, for me to get A's, I have to do more than that's there, which is why I only have three of these basically you know, preservation technique style rhinoplasties under my belt. I don't look at every nose and go, how can I do less? That's not my MO. And so it was a really, you know, it was a good, you know, first of all, like seven people stood up and applauded, which I was like, sit down, <laughs> don't applaud that. And, uh, and how did the rest of the room take it? I took several tomatoes the in the face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> there were several tomatoes thrown. And, uh, and then one of the guys who I know very well, like came after me, showing me case after case. Do you have this in Beverly Hills? Do you have this in Beverly Hills? So I was like, I think I struck a chord, um, but it was good. It was a it was a very good panel because I think I said what everybody else was thinking. Like I I don't I was 
after a while, I started thinking maybe I should count how many times they say, I know there's a little residual hump, but that's not a big deal. <laughs> and that's what they said. Oh, I know there's a residual hump there, but that's okay because they really like the result, which by the way, is totally okay. If they love their result, it's totally okay. There's nothing wrong with it. If every time I had a residual hump, I'd have, you know, 92 one-star Yelp reviews because my patients don't want a residual hump. They didn't come for that. You know, that's who my patients are. So that's where I kind of said, you got to understand that there's more out there for these people. Like you, you can't sit here. And, and, and by the way, my, my buddy from London, who will name, name, remain, easy for me to say, remain nameless. He and I both talked about it right before we started this thing. He goes, any of the residents or people who just finished the residency or fellowships are going to leave this meeting 142% confused because it's just all over the place. And sure enough, one of my buddy's residents was like, I don't know what's going on. I don't even know how to begin to do rhinoplasty after what I've heard today. Mm, That's a problem. What we've talked about before is that by doing this structural rhinoplasty, taking it down, putting it together, that's sort of how you learn rhinoplasty. It's how you learn how the nose is built. You learn how to make it. You learn how to take it apart. You know how to put it back together. You learn the anatomy. And then if you want to go on and, and try other things like preservation, then fantastic. But starting out as a preservation rhinoplasty, you don't learn how to build a nose. You just don't. No. And, and the biggest news today was patient selection, which is why I said you guys up here who've done this number of rhinoplasties can select the correct patients to get a good result. And I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't really say it to be adversarial. I said it to be comparative. It was like a compare and contrast kind of statement. You know, compare and contrast preservation rhinoplasty to structural rhinoplasty in your patient population. Well, in my patient population, it doesn't work. I mean, I can yeah. do it and I'll have to explain to them why their result is, eh, it's okay. It's not bad. It's not a, it's not a bad thing. It's not a problem. They're, they're going to be okay. But the, the results that I get, and by the way, it was totally validated because two guys came up to me from a country that will remain nameless also because I don't want to identify anybody. And they were just like, what well, you said was totally right. They said that we are 100% on board with you you should get the best result that you can for your patient, regardless of technique. Forcing a patient into a technique box doesn't make any sense because you want to show that you can do a technique. And I was like, of course. Like, why do you give any credence to any technique over another if it's not going to lead you to the best result? Why? Why are you like, oh, but I have to do it this way because it's such an amazing technique. Who cares? If your patient looks great, that's what matters. I don't know. I guess what will lock it down is when I get enough of these patients for revision rhinoplasty to talk about what are the problems in revising the people with these push down and let down techniques. So that was the preservation rhino talk. Uh, what else is coming up for you in this meeting? Well, since 96% of the talks are about preservation rhinoplasty, it's pretty hard to, I mean, it's so, it's so ridiculous. And, um, but, you know, the, what I am learning is that I guess you and I talk about all the time about customization of these operations and that 
I, I guess the take home message really is you can never be too detailed. You know, like you, you can't overthink a rhinoplasty operation. You really have to kind of run everything up and down the flagpole to see where it's going to fly. It, it, that that's definitely come home as a, as a important aspect of how we do rhinoplasty. True. Definitely. By the way, I just want to go on record and note that Dr. Ravello has two lectures in Paris on oh, yeah. rhinoplasty. <laughs> that is true. I know. It's exciting. You have a Paris trip coming up. Yeah. And you have a talk. Where I think on... you have a couple lectures and I have a couple lectures. No, I think I, have, I, I think I only have one, which is good. Oh, really? I like that they doubled you up. <laughs> <laughs> I have two. I have two to give. Um, and then we're doing our podcast live as well. Yes, that will be awesome. And, uh, and that is going to be a great meeting. I noticed the, uh, the faculty, you know, because I got the whole, I think there are three days of rhinoplasty. I don't know if you noticed that. I did notice that. Yes. And for whatever reason, I guess I'm chairing them all. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so maybe that's why they only gave me one lecture, because that's a lot of work. Got it. Got it. Nope. I have two lectures and then the podcast, and then there'll be a lot of running around Paris time. For sure. I mean, Paris is a great city. So I am, uh, I'm definitely pumped up at the, at the fact that we are uh, chiseling into this uh, rhinoplasty intelligentsia. And especially that group is a good crew. I know that, uh, you know, some of, some of my colleagues will be there um, who are, you know, really skilled rhinoplasty surgeons. It's going to be good. A really good meeting. And, you know, I, I think we'll talk about preservation and I, you know, tr- I'm going to try to do more of them, you know, try to, you know, put my, you know, finger on this is the right patient for this, but I, I just, I need to get the best results possible. I'm not going to compromise my result. So unless it's a total chip shot, I'm sorry. That's not how I'm going. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Who wants to have something like I hate it when I see patients that didn't get the best result that I knew they could have gotten for whatever reason. A lot of times, you know, when you alter a procedure, you do something differently because the patient requested it or because this or that, and then the results aren't what you love. It's really frustrating. Like it's, it's it's, most of the time, to be fair, the patients, patients themselves are okay with it. Like they're fine. But when I look at it, I'm like, oh, that could have been better. That could have been better. Let me do what I wanted. That could have been better. Well, and that's, I I forget who said it. I think it might've been Leonardo da Vinci who said, art is never finished. It's only abandoned. (laughs) That could be any plastic surgery patient ever. (laughs) It's the truth. Like there, it can always be better. You can always Always add more. You can always, there's always more to do. And so that's where I think this is a really good discussion, which is why I was, you know, happy to throw the Tomahawk missile into the discussion today. But, you know, it, it, it was, you know, it, it, I, it frosted some people's, you know, chaps. They weren't into it. And then uh, some other folks were like, yes, that's awesome. Exactly what he said. I, I mean that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what can I do? It's just, uh, I, I think I got to call it like I see it. I think Enrico sent you in there because you're good reality TV. He's one that <laughs> boosted up his ratings. <laughs> <laughs> that may be he also knew like he goes well everybody hates jay anyway so who cares (laughs) he's the one to throw in there (laughs) absolutely like they're gonna hate him no matter what he says so just let him do it (laughs) which is the truth you know i get that you know it's okay 
Um, the people that like me, they like me. The people that don't like me, they really don't like me. And, you know, I understand that it's, you know, it's a, it's a polarizing position to be where you and I are to practice in a market that demands literally out of the park home runs at every occasion, knowing that that's impossible. It, it puts us in a position to be the best that we can be because not only do we want to be, but we really have to be, you know, our patients want that. Yes. There was a very, very, very high bar that has been set for us. Well, cool. Agreed. All right. Well, Dr. Ravello, I really appreciate you jumping on here. Um, Maybe we can, we're going to have to catch up some podcasts pretty soon. I know that. We are, but maybe when it's not two in the morning, in Italy, your time. I'm so <laughs> jet lagged. Dude, go to bed. I, I can go out and run like six miles right now. It is, I'm so jet lagged. It's ridiculous. It's six o'clock in Los Angeles, 6 p.m., and it is 2 a.m. in Italy. And here is Dr. Calvert, bright and shiny. I mean, don't I look great? I'm ready to rock. Like, forget you, do. It. you look like he could run some laps right now. So painful. And, you know, and that's the thing is, I have to get up and give these lectures tomorrow. So I'm going to try it, try to forcibly sleep, but. It didn't work last night. It probably won't work tonight. Well, thanks, Dr. Ravello. Anything else? Nope. Get some sleep. All right. Well, this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from Bergamo. Thanks for listening to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. If you want to reach Dr. Ravello or myself, we're available for consultations. We can also be reached through the websites. Dr. Ravello, what's your website? My website is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. And the phone number to reach us here in the office is 310-954-1355. And I do want to mention Rock Spa, which is the sponsor, truly the financial backer of this podcast. And Rock Spa is the Medispa that's located both in Newport Beach and Beverly Hills, providing Botox, fillers, lasers, microneedling, esthetician services like hydrofacials. We have incredible people. They do great stuff. And I highly recommend taking a look at the websites, rockspawnewportbeach.com or rockspawbeverlyhills.com. All the information is also on my website, drcalvert.com.